0: Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and this is the final show of 2020, one of the craziest years in recent memory. And we're going to end it on a positive note by talking about what I consider not just to be the best film in the entire Star Wars franchise, but my personal all-time favorite movie. The Empire Strikes Back, which was released 40 years ago this year in May of 1980. And joining me on the show is once again the co-writer of Monsters Anonymous and my co-host on the Nerd Cave Retro Show, Mr. Jason Robbins. How are you? How you
1: doing, Chewbacca? <laughs> uh,
0: we're we're going to talk about Billy D because uh, he's one of my yes. favorite parts of that movie.
1: I'm good. How are you doing? Doing it's the good. The Christmas season. It's lovely. It uh, is. It the air is crisp. Uh Christmas was great. And I'm I'm excited to get this awful uh turd of a year over with in what? Let's say Monday, Tuesday, one, two, three, three more days and this this year will be over with.
0: Yeah, as we're recording this, it's uh we've got three days left in twenty twenty. This will actually air mm. on New Year's Eve, so uh just sit down and end twenty twenty on a positive note by hearing about one of the greatest movies of all time. But also yes. joining us the other co writer of Monsters Anonymous, award winning comedy writer and future congressman from what I hear, Mr. <laughs> Wally Phelps. How are you, my yep. friend?
2: I'm I'm good, thank you. I'm you know I'm not gonna do a Billy D. Williams impression, but you know <laughs> why not? Everybody's gotta all have two a Billy
1: sounds instead. everybody. Everybody needs a good Billy D in their back pocket to pull out at parties. <laughs> Hello, what have we here?
0: I mean, you can do um you know uh Lando, you can do the Colt 45 commercials. You got somewhat you got options in your arsenal if you want to do a Billy D Williams impression. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I never had a Billy D because it's it's one of those things where
1: I know my limitation. <laughs> 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 Why don't you do it in Mickey Mouse's voice?
2: Hello, Chewbacca. You, know, <laughs> you truly belong among the, with us among the class.
0: No,
1: nah, that, that <laughs> doesn't work for me.
0: No. Next time I watch the movie, I'm going to picture anytime Lando talks, Wally's Mickey Mouse impression is just going to make the whole thing so much better for me. <laughs> 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 so, as I mentioned... Empire Strikes Back, released 40 years ago this year. It's crazy to think it's been you know, that long of an amount of time. And this came out uh, just a few years before I was born. But at my first time watching it, and I've mentioned this on this show, and I know, Jason, we've talked about Star Wars on NerdCave Retro. I distinctly remember watching Star Wars for the first time at my uncle's house. And this is the same uncle who's been instrumental in introducing me to Video games, specifically The Legend of Zelda, and a lot of other interests that have stayed with me throughout my life. And I remember watching all three of the movies on VHS, and I actually have, and you guys, those who are watching the video version can see this, I still have the old school box set. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, I, I was enthralled with Star Wars the first time I watched it, the original version, and i thought it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen in my life up to that point but when i watched empire i even knew from a uh, early age that this was something that was kind of in a league of its own as far as movies go from and we'll and we'll dive into it in, in more detail but i just remember being mesmerized by you know cloud city by mm. the hoth you know the snow planet because it was so different than what we had seen in A New Hope, it was, you know, the ultimate contrast, the Tatooine, I feel like. So, um, Wally, we'll start with you. What what was your first memory of watching The Empire Strikes Back?
2: I remember I first watched it on HBO, <laughs> so I didn't have the theatrical experience. But it was a big deal when it happened, too. I, I don't remember exactly how old I was or anything like that, but I remember... Just bits and pieces, more more feelings than actual memories of the movie, if that makes sense. You know, the whole Yoda and R two sequence was, it's extremely memorable to my four year old mind. I suppose it was because uh, I think it may have came on TV in support of Return of the Jedi, uh, which was coming into theaters. So I, I probably was like three years old when I saw it, and. The other thing that, that just struck me was the whole, um, the only other thing that I remembered anyway, was the Luke and Vader uh, fight, but just pieces of it. So, it, it, that's the earliest memory I have of it, is is that along with the conversations that came along with it from, my, my uncle lived with us at the time, and he was a teenager in high school. And his friends would be over and they would be discussing it. So that was a very interesting time to be hearing about Star Wars discussion.
0: What about you, Jason?
1: Um, I know I saw it in the theater. Uh, I was three years old when it came out, and I was obsessed with Star Wars when I was little. Um, I had uh, my third birthday was uh, Empire Strikes Back themed um, birthday party. Uh, I still have the the uh, a card that my, my mom and dad and brother gave to me when I was three years old, and it's got Boba Fett and um, Darth Vader and C-3PO and R2 on it. And I wish I had it to show you, but uh, it's downstairs. Um, but my biggest memory of it is not just the movie, which I did have um, my grandpa taped the, uh, the trilogy for me off of HBO um, when I was little. And he went through the trouble of like, Um, You remember there were three settings for VHS tapes. There was long play, which was six hours. Then it was a four hours and it was a two hours. And I think he put them on the four hour one so he could just put one movie on it, each tape, and have the best quality. And then he had the plastic uh, covers for the VHS. And remember, this is like 1982, 83. So those plastic covers were not cheap. And he went through with like gold lettering and put Star Wars uh, down the spine, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. It was awesome. Um, so I used to watch those all the time. But my biggest memory of Empire Strikes Back is I still have it as the storybook that you used to get. You remember the storybooks you got when you were little that came with a tape? And you would listen to the tape, follow along with the story. It's like when you hear R2-D2 whistle, turn the page. And you like... That was mostly how I lived the movie at that age. And then it was kind of funny a few years ago. I actually found that same storybook, but with a record uh, a few years ago. So I have the tape and the record version now that I will treasure forever. Um, But, you know, I don't remember actually seeing it in the theater. My biggest memory is just watching it over and over again on VHS when I was a kid.
0: I haven't thought about those like storybook and like tapes and records in years because oh, I remember I had, that. I
1: had those. I had the Hobbit. Um, uh, I had a bunch of Pac Man ones when I was little. Those were great. I love those.
0: Yeah, my cousin had several of those, and I, I took advantage of listening to those whenever I would go over to her house. So mm-hmm. I haven't thought about those since I was a kid. Probably when I actually yeah. listened to them. But no, that that's really yeah. cool. And that what I think is in a way fascinating about Empire Strikes Back. And I can imagine, you know, leading up to its release, with Star Wars, there weren't really any expectations because, I mean, it was something that had never been done before. But I can imagine it had to have been different because you saw the original movie. You know the characters. You know Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Darth Vader. When Empire rolls around... One of the things that I think is advantageous with sequels in general is that you don't have to go through introducing the characters. You know, you already know who they are. You can just kind of dive right in. Like with this, you dive right in on Hoth. You're like, okay, they're on the run from the Empire. You don't have to go through as much setup, which I think was nice, uh, like right out of the gate with the movie. Yeah. And
1: I think that's kind of why I like The Mandalorian so much, too, is it just it just drops you in the basically the middle of this story you're just dropped in and you figure it out as you go that's my my favorite type of storytelling i don't need to be spoon fed everything you know mm-hmm. like and it was something that hadn't really been done too much the, the sequels weren't really a thing back then you know like you had the godfather 2 um, you had, you know, the Planet of the Apes movies, but that's really about it. This was... Uh, yeah, co- not e- well, not even Conan yet. Conan didn't even come out till 80... 80- no, 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 I said Superman. Oh, super, yeah, Superman. Well, those were done at the same time. So basically, those were filmed as one movie. Um, no. <laughs> but as far as Empire, like, you know, that was a huge gamble on George Lucas's part. I mean, he funded the movie himself. Because he was smart enough to retain um, all of the uh, the toy rights to Star Wars, because that was another thing that hadn't been done before. Then was uh, merchandising like on that scale. So he made all that money, and he leveraged all that you know thirty million dollars to make this movie. And usually sequels did not do well back then. Sequels were looked at as you know the lesser of the 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 movies and uh, an, an interesting note um you know splinter of the mind's eye was written at the same time as star wars or a new hope because that was meant to be the sequel because george lucas wanted and it's a simpler story because george lucas wanted something way more simple to to film as the second that was going to be the second movie was splinter of the mind's eye
0: Interesting, I did not know that. I I did know that you know, leading up to the uh, uh, this podcast and doing research on it, that's when I found out that George Lucas funded it himself. He did have to take out a loan, but I mean, he was able to to pay that back fairly easily because you know, obviously, this movie was a a huge success and something that you know, I can distinctly remember watching as a kid watching this movie for the first time the scene when after Luke is attacked by the Wampa and he sees the ghost of Obi-Wan, and he says, go to Dagobah, there you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi Master who instructed me. And uh-huh. from the beginning, Obi-Wan was my favorite character. Still is to this day. And I just remember as, you know, as a four-year-old kid thinking, wow, if this guy trained Obi-Wan. He's got to be like the most powerful person in the entire galaxy. I wasn't expecting an eccentric little green alien but
1: yeah
0: a person yeah look at you (laughs) i
2: I had the same reaction when i was a child because i remember uh, as you were talking about it 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 just kind of reverberated you know the whole thought of oh this whole yoda guy is going to be great and then whenever whenever yoda basically fesses up in the cave My four-year-old mind was blown.
1: It was like, (laughs) this can't be Yoda. (laughs) And now that we know uh, Grogu's diet, um, I imagine that Yoda, like uh, Dagobah was the best place he could have been. I mean, it was just, he was surrounded by delicacy all day long. It was (laughs) just eating (laughs) frogs.
0: I like to think he did research right after that battle with the Emperor in Revenge of the Sith. He's like, okay, where can I go? where I can eat a lot. Mm -hmm. Dagobah, let's go. Good young reviews it has.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do have a question I wanted to uh, pose to you guys, a hypothetical question. Do you think Empire Strikes Back would have been uh, as good as it was if it was directed by George Lucas and not Lawrence Kasdan? Not at all. Nope.
2: I am against him directing. (laughs) Well, this has been my...
1: Go ahead. I was gonna say I, I like him more in a, of in a producer role myself, right?
2: Because that's kind of what he is right now. He's kind of the mentor that comes in and just tell tells everybody, yeah, that looks cool, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and this is on the Mandalorian. This isn't on like yeah. the sequel trilogy. They didn't they didn't have him do that for that, and which is so unusual to me. But yeah, I mean, just having him go, this is what I want. In fact, Empire was nothing like George Lucas wanted it to be. So he was so angry at it. That's why we didn't get Lawrence Kasdan back for the third.
1: Because
2: he hated Empire.
1: (laughs) I can't see why. Well, he probably hated it because he knew it was a better movie than A New Hope.
0: I don't know. Yeah, my stance on George Lucas since the prequels has been, I think he's a great storyteller. And a good mm-hmm. person, like, he would be someone I would want to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, But I, but I wouldn't want him directing my movie. Well,
1: that's wouldn't the thing, thing we learned with the prequels, is he's good at coming up with the stuff and good at, um, you know, bouncing stuff off of people. When he's got people around him to tone it down, <laughs> but when he doesn't have George. anyone, to, you know, telling him, no, George, that's not a good idea, that's when we get Jar Jar Binks. You know, did,
2: did you guys watch the uh, the beginning the the documentary they have for the making of the Phantom Menace?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That first screening where just the lights come up and he's like, "Well, we may have gone too
1: far." <laughs> I like the look on uh oh, what's his name the the producer of those
2: movies. the other producer? Yeah. Oh God, I can't remember his what's name. His but
1: name? Yeah. The look of horror on his face after that first screening, I was just like. <laughs> That's
0: how we all felt, buddy. <laughs> Did you guys ever see the movie Fanboys? Yes. No, I haven't.
2: No. Yeah.
0: So, for those who have never seen it, it's about this this group of friends. One of uh, one of them has like a terminal illness, and they're all huge Star Wars fans. So they try to take him to Skywalker Ranch to see an advanced screening of the Phantom Menace. The end of the movie is the release of the film in theaters. They're all in the, the room. They sit down, and the last line of the movie is they look at each other and like, guys, what if the movie sucks? <laughs> and just end cre- go to credits. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, we're not going to get... I don't think we should get too far into it, but at the same time, it's like... Everybody I know that doesn't like that movie are our age. <laughs> you know? Everybody who was a kid during that time frame seemed to love that film. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's generational I suppose. Rick McCallum was
1: his name.
0: Yes. Rick McCallum, that's him. Yep. Yes. I will say Poor that guy. documentary on the Phantom Menace is one of my favorite documentaries of all time.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh mine too. I'm glad I have it.
1: <laughs> well, because you it, get... I remember there was a part on there with with Steven Spielberg. And didn't Steven Spielberg say something to him about about uh I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen that. I don't know. I want to say I they mean, were outside a of a soundstage. Yeah, because I remember that? they were looking at the battle droids or something like that, and, uh, and Steven Spielberg said something to him. I don't. I don't remember. I can't. Just remember thinking, maybe maybe he should have taken. Like these are- garbage george <laughs> maybe you should have had steven come in and been like sure oh, uh, what do you think about this stuff and steven would have been like whoa george pull it back a little bit
2: that, that's what he did for the third one believe it or not yeah he, he brought in spielberg to go so what do you think we should do
0: here <laughs> <laughs> yeah not that yeah is, is what i like to think he said <laughs> not that but no, that does bring up a great point that I wanted to get to. Also, the fact that George Lucas didn't direct it, and he didn't direct Return of the Jedi either. But from the beginning, there is a tonal change in Empire compared to A New Hope. Yeah, and right. they, you know, we talk about you know the the dark aspect of Empire Strikes Back because the rebels, the good guys, spend much of it fleeing the Empire, and mm. evil constantly has its upper hand. And I think that's part of the appeal to it is that, you know, even with the ending, there's that little glimmer of hope, but they've seriously been beat down. And you don't, to me, growing up and watching, you know, movies like this, I didn't see a ton that had that type of feel to it. So I think the difference of that is why, overall, it appealed to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Empire has the the best and most even tone, uh, as far as like the the look of the movie, the feel of the movie, um, the character development. It's the most. Uh, ju- it's 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 the best of all of them. I'm, you know, there's no other way to say it. It's just there's something about that movie that just it, it if, if not for Empire Strikes Back, I mean, as pe- much as people love a, a New Hope. If Empire Strikes Back would have failed or not been as good as it was, we wouldn't have, you know, Star Wars would have, I think would have probably died right there. We probably probably would have never even gotten a third movie if, I'm, if Empire would have failed. And that's just my opinion. I mean, we may have gotten a third movie, but it wouldn't have been to the level of Return of the Jedi. I mean, it would have been a, back down to another $6 million movie like A New Hope was.
2: I mean that's a possibility. I really, you know, the reason why George Lucas didn't direct this movie was because he was off producing another movie, uh, which with uh, a little art house film that he was really big on called Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> and as, as a result, the, during the making of the movie, he thought it was going to flop. Um, so the third movie, I don't think. He, would be as I think they would have made it. I think he he just would have basically remade the first one. <laughs> yeah. to, you know, to because hey, I guess they want more of the same.
1: Well, I mean there there all have always been those rumors about return of the Jedi. Pretty much the same rumors that have swirled about um Poltergeist where Steven Spielberg was really the director of that film. Um, and the same goes with return of the Jedi, you know, Richard Marquand had never, uh, directed a a movie. I don't think at that point he was, uh, he, he had only done like commercials and stuff like that. I think and barely spoke English (laughs) and, um, he came in and basically was like a puppet for, for George. (laughs) At least that's been the, the running rumor for the past 35 years. That's interesting. I did not know that. I'm looking it up right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah, never heard I, of that either.
1: I don't think Richard Marquand had had uh done any movies before Empire Strikes Back. He had done mostly commercials and stuff. I could be wrong, but, you know, you can look that up and let me know go. if I'm full of crap.
2: No, he did like two two movies before.
1: Oh, what were
2: they? Legacy and Birth of the Beatles.
1: Yeah, those were huge blockbusters that, that were worldwide <laughs> moneymakers. <Yeah>, yeah,
2: 100%. <laughs> Legacy won the Academy Award for Best Hand Model. Fantastic. Well, there
0: you go. <laughs> Award-winning director.
2: <laughs> no, I, but yeah, I mean, you're right. So yeah, there's there two movies, but they weren't. Star Wars.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, the The thing about Empire is, I mean, it starts off. I mean, right off the bat, you're going right into this weird ice planet where Luke is riding this furry lizard thing, and you're just like, "What the hell is going on here?" And then, of course, you get the Wampa attack, which I know you guys kind of, I know you wanted to go into that, um, you know. And then soon after that, you know, Luke we explains why. He's got scars on his face because in real life he had crashed his Corvette and had to have facial reconstructive surgery. Um, So that was written into the script. And then we go right into the Hoth battle, which still to this day is one of the greatest battle scenes ever put to film. I don't care what anybody says that it's still to this day is just like I'm watching it and I'm just like, I'm just gripping the seat the whole time.
2: Did it invent the trope of you know establishing a character who's meant to die by showing by showing how awesome he is? Like you know, whenever he gets into the into the fighter, Dax in the back, he's like, "I could take on the whole Empire," you know, that kind of thing. And and
0: the whole time (laughs) you're thinking, "Oh, he did." (laughs) (laughs) My favorite, one of my favorite uh, moments from one of the Family Guy parodies when they parodied Empire. Dak says that and then Luke slash Chris is like oh wait really well why don't you do that and everybody's like yeah Dak go fight the Empire so he (laughs) Dak gets in the speeder flies up into space he's got like 10 Star Destroyers staring at him he goes hey Empire get ready to suck some Dak (laughs) one blaster poof speeders exploded fantastic it's great but, yeah, I would also say that is also one of John Williams' best scores as far as, like, sequences that he's done in any of the Star Wars yeah. films. I love yeah. the Battle of Hoth music. It's, like, top five, like, Star Wars soundtrack bits for me.
1: And that was another thing. I had the uh, the, the album, the double album of the soundtrack when I was a kid, and you folded it open, and it had all, like almost like a book in the middle, like a picture book of right. pages yeah. that you flipped, and it had pictures from the movie, and oh my God, that's still probably my favorite of all the soundtracks, especially my favorite track. My favorite Star Wars track of all time is Bo- the Boba Fett's music. Mm hmm. Whenever Boba Fett, sh- every time they show Boba Fett on the screen, there's this real s- slow swell that's like da, na, da, na, na, na. Like that, and it's just it's so uh ethereal and creepy and just like uh, it just that that music just makes me feel Star Wars, you
2: know. <laughs> I think everybody should close their eyes and rewind fifteen seconds and close yes. it, because that sounded just like the London Symphony Orchestra.
1: <laughs> well, if I could play it through this chord, I would, but
0: everyone pause <laughs> paw- for the DCA notice. Everyone, yeah. pause the podcast. Put on Empire Strikes Back and sync Jason singing to the to the actual movie. <laughs> on YouTube. I would be a happy man. Yes, <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. I really like. I really like that. But uh, th- there I'll are just other. Performed the the score. <laughs> score by Jason Robbins and the London Symphony yes.
1: Orchestra. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs>
0: But there are other great soundtrack bits in there too. You know, you mentioned the Boba Fett theme. It's also the first time we hear the Imperial March. Mm-hmm. A lot of people oh still don't. They still don't think that. You know, there they think that the Imperial March was introduced in the original movie, but no, it was The Empire Strikes Back. And the first time yeah, you hear it is great it. too, because yeah, you hear that bum, bum, bum. You just see all the star destroyers flying, and then. You cut yeah. to inside and you see the back of Vader's helmet, and you hear his breathing, and he's just kind of slowly looking around. And you're like, "He's back."
1: <laughs> yes, I mean that that whole soundtrack. I mean, you get the themes that are going to get carried throughout the rest of, you know, the movies. You've got Leia's theme, you got uh, uh, Leia's theme, Luke's theme, Han. You got the Han and Leia theme. You got Yoda's theme. Yep. You've got, you know, the, the Imperial March. So, those the force theme. Yeah. The force theme. You get all those. All those came from this movie. Like, this was John Williams' seminal work. Just
2: uh, like, I'm going to write the shit out of
1: this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Let's get these leap motifs out here. And they're so good. You hear them in other movies. Like you, yeah, go so good. To- I hear them when I see my boss walk by. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, but you listen to like Indiana Jones soundtrack and stuff. You hear bits of those themes being reused for other things, and it's John Williams knows what he's doing. The man is going to be like like Beethoven. They're going to be listening to, to his works hundreds of years from
0: now. You know. I agree. Yep. Also the theme that when the Millennium Falcon's going through the asteroid field gets me pumped up every time I think about it. As
2: you did that I just yeah. see the, the you know yeah. the, of the Millennium Falcon. Oh my god. When it, go, when it goes when oh, it goes
1: in when it goes in between the two uh, asteroids that are like almost hitting it and then the TIE fighters, oh so good. So
0: good. Just splice in three PO. Ah!
1: ah! <laughs> oh, there's a part in that movie. We figured it out too. Um, you can actually pinpoint when they go into the asteroid field. You can actually pinpoint the part where uh, Chewie shits himself. Go back and watch that movie. When the uh, in, in when they first go into the asteroid field and shit's going crazy, there's a scene where you will actually see Chewbacca shit his fur.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: You're like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Chewie going to need to pull out the the clippers after this
2: one. <laughs> Good thing the co-pilot's seat doubles as a throne. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Extra durable cushions. Yeah. Poor Chewie. Yeah, but you mentioned the the wampa kind of backtracking to the, the beginning of the movie. We we were talking before we started recording about the special editions and the changes that George Lucas made in 97 when the films were re-released, and also when they were released on DVD in 2004 for the first time. Mm-hmm. When you look at the three movies and the changes that were made, I think the ones that were made in Empire legitimately help enhance the movie. Right. Because in the initial release with the Wampa attack, you only see his head and an arm. Yeah. But in the special edition, you actually see him you know, crouched down in his cave eating... You know, what we uh-huh. assume to be a uh, Tauntaun.
2: I hope. Yeah. You, yeah, you would hope <laughs> that. And uh, then
0: in the, the DVD version is when they replaced um, the uh, original actor who played Palpatine with Ian McDiarmid, which yeah. to me makes sense because he plays him in return of the Jedi as well as in yeah. the prequels. So I, I, think, I always
1: felt that was weird and disjointed. The original, uh, Palpatine that they had because that was actually um, it was a, somebody's a, face a monkey and a monkey yep. yeah <laughs> it was weird you know it, it's going back
2: to the Wampa the the reason why we don't see a lot of them in the original cut is because the suits didn't work
1: yeah they were and, terrible
2: uh, there was a whole subplot that was completely removed from it where the Wampa uh, took. It's other Wampas and attacked Echo Base. And they were fighting the Wampas while the Empire was was bearing down on them. And Well, if you they're... look
1: closely in the part where um, Han Solo is going to get a Tauntaun to go out for, to look for Luke, you see blood splattered up the side of the wall. Right. That's because there was a scene that was supposed to be before that where a Wampa had gotten in and started slaughtering the Tauntauns.
2: Yep. An, uh, another scene that was cut. Yeah, they didn't shoot a lot of it, but uh one of the other scenes that they actually shot was where once they rounded up the Wampas they put them into basically a storage room. Mm-hmm. And in the uh <laughs> you'll see this part in the trailer of the movie. Yeah. They run they're running away from the Empire and c-3po of all characters rips <laughs> a sign that says danger off of the door and runs off and the empire comes up and searches the door an arm comes out and grabs one of the snow troopers a wampa arm <laughs> and then they just close it really quickly and that's that's Uh, deleted scene is actually available on Disney Plus if you want to look at it. Yeah, So that's part of the only existing footage of of that subplot.
1: Well, they did sort of leave that in if you ever played the Star Wars Trilogy arcade game. That was actually part of the Hoth base uh, escape was um, there were certain rooms that had uh, wampas in them. Right. So that, that was cool. They get, they did give a nod to that. But yeah, I'd seen some of the deleted scenes that they did have. They actually showed some of the wampas. And ew, those right. those suits did not look good back then because it was like guys on stilts. It was.
2: Yeah. Bad. And they were falling over because the snow was too bad. And yeah. It, it was bad.
0: If I remember right, they also included the wampas in the Shadows of the Empire video game. Mm hmm. Because you're yeah. you're in the Hoth base because you see the Falcon take off and you as Dash Rendar have to escape too and there are rooms that have Wampas in them so yeah they they do a little nod to that in, in multiple Star Wars mediums which I think is really cool
1: yeah the Hoth base was just so cool though I used to recreate the Hoth base all the time when I was a kid just get some white sheets and just drape them over everything in your bedroom and pull out all you know your your tauntauns and your 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 toys and just have the hoth battle right there in your bedroom it's so great that was my favorite
2: well i I always wanted to be in some place that was like a ice cave like they had you know because like the (laughs) walls in that movie fascinated me as a child as they do today where they look like they were carved out of hard ice i'm like what kind of contractor? does this type of work where can i hire them
0: <laughs> uh, well
1: the, you, you, there is a bit of dialogue between c3po and r2d2 where r2d2 went into princess leia's chamber and turned the heater on
0: and,
2: and
1: so it on everything uh, <laughs> ah r2 you
0: little idiot <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be freezing uh always trying to help in some form of fashion, um, and there are there were um, books also. Uh,
1: I don't remember which books it was, but it was actually um, there. It was one of those anthology books that used to be in the extended universe. And there was uh, books that that actually talked about uh, the aftermath of the Battle of Hoth, and it was about this one transport that had gotten um, shot, like um, shot uh, and stranded in the middle of the the the. You know the, uh, the the destruction and the the battle above Hoth, and just about the survivors inside that transport transport trying to survive and like get away. Um, it was it's pretty good. I don't remember which book it was. I'm sure somebody out there will remember um, which book that was in.
0: That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the title of it, but no, it's I I know what you're talking about. But um, yeah, what I loved about Hoth was that it was just such a contrast to what we saw with Tatooine in A New Mm -hmm. Hope. Like from the beginning, it was like the polar opposite. You know, with A New Hope, you have the rebels winning at the end of the movie. And then from the very beginning of Empire, you have just the complete opposite. Whereas on an ice planet instead of the desert planet, and they're on the run because they're beaten fairly quickly in the Battle of Hoth. Which yeah. I, I agree with you in the yeah. sense that that that's one of the best battle scenes, not in just in Star Wars, but in any movie.
1: Yeah. 100%. Well, the whole thing about it is, is you feel the desperation, mm-hmm. um, in those battles, especially you know the 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 Falcon trying to get away from you know Darth Vader and the whole you know Han frozen in carbonite trying to get him back before Boba Fett leaves. Like the whole movie is just. With with the exception of the the entire second act with you know Luke, um on on Dagobah you, you know you get kind of that whew, get a few minutes to breathe like that movie is just nothing but oh shit let's get away we got to get out of here we're about to get our asses we are getting our asses kicked right. and that's you know that whole movie is just desperation and you feel it like the way it's filmed the way it's paced and edited. And, you know, it's it's damn near perfect movie.
2: One of those movies where as you're watching for the first time, you wonder how they're going to get out of this.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: And the situation is that they don't.
1: Yeah, (laughs) they do not.
0: Well, well, Han and Leia had a little bit of a breather when they were in the the cave. Yeah. Which I was like, (laughs) holy shit whenever they were like oh this is no cave and you fly they fly right. out and it's this giant like space worm that's yeah. living in an asteroid i'm like what
1: one thing i was always wondering about that scene you know they they fly into it and then when the minox come by all they have on is these little you know oxygen masks and they go outside wouldn't it still be a vacuum at that point uh, i i don't know the science of
2: space worms <laughs>
1: <laughs> in Asteroids, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it had its mouth open the whole time. That is a good question, though. I've never I really thought about idea. the 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 logic of that. Yeah, that always
1: bugged me. I, I, I have to ask, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if anyone would movie, know... If you Uh, could ask Neil deGrasse Tyson one thing, what would it be? Um, how did Han and Leia uh, survive outside the ship inside of a giant space worm?
0: I guarantee you, you get other people to be like, "Yeah, how did that happen?" (laughs) I would, because now I'm gonna—that's gonna bug me the rest of the night. I'm gonna be like, "How did that happen?" I'll
2: send an email to the screenwriter.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. He never mind. And then we get the cool one of the coolest scenes in any Star Wars movie: the um, the reveal of the bounty hunters on the bridge of the Executor. And at first, you see the the curled toes hanging across the the edge, and it turns out to be Bosk. Which little no, little known trivia fact: the suit he's wearing is actually from a Doctor Who episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this flight suit. Um, and I always found Bosk to be absolutely, to this day, terrifying. I would not want that lizard dude after me.
0: Between I why him why and not
2: getting a Bosk TV series, I wonder, well, uh, wonder what. I said. I wonder why we don't get a Bosk TV series. Yeah, that would be cool. One of my From ideas the perspective of the bounty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> An idea that I had thought of, if they were still doing like the the, the Star Wars story films before Disney Plus came along and they switched to TV series, I would have loved to have seen the story of Boba Fett delivering Han Solo to Jabba as like a Quentin Tarantino style movie, and yeah. you get to see like IG88, Boss, Dengar, all those bounty hunters you saw on the bridge of the Star Destroyer because you don't really see them. In the movie after that, besides Boba Fett, I think that would, because that was my favorite part of Shadows of the Empire. As far as reading like the graphic novel, that story was what stood out to me. Not the Dash Rendar stuff, but the Boba Fett stuff.
1: Well, that would be cool to have like an anthology series or, you know, uh, like four, like each bounty hunter gets their own, you know, 45 minute to an hour long episode telling their side of that story. Of you know, trying to each of them trying to to get um, uh, Han Solo and Carbonite because that's you know that's the bounty that Boba Fett was going to re- like according to the extended universe back in the day that was the bounty he was going to retire on like that was he was going to retire after that bounty because well, that was amazing. so huge.
0: I did not know that. I did not either. Yeah, and then you can do a final that way then you can oh, do a final know. episode and be like, okay, this is what really happened. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like the end of clue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like your, your finer murder mystery stories. I always thought uh,
1: tales of, of, of the Bound- Cause I used to have the book, the EU book. I still have it. It's tales of the bounty hunters. <laughs> um, and I always thought that would make a really cool anthology style television show talking to, you know, each of those bounty hunters kind of gets their own little story to tell. I think that would be cool. Because those are cool characters to delve into. I mean, they look cool. They're bounty hunters. They already know that the Mandalorian works. I mean, why wouldn't we want to follow you know, the
0: adventures of Forlom and Zuckus? I would.
2: The adventures <laughs> of Forlom and Zuckus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, with this Boba Fett series that's coming out, you could bring some of those bounty hunters back. Yeah. Ooh! I like that.
2: Because it's not long after the la- the return of the Jedi.
0: Yeah.
1: Because in the original EU, and, you know, John Favreau is a fan of the, the original extended universe. He's bringing a lot of that stuff back. Dengar is the one who actually found Boba Fett um, in the desert after he had escaped the Sarlacc and nursed him back to health. Hmm. I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. And they became good friends after that.
0: Well, you you they could do bracelets. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you could do a, an adaptation similar to that. Like, it doesn't have to be Dengar, but you can have one of the other bounty hunters find him, and then you can tell through flashbacks. Like, you can see how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc. you can see yeah. even stuff you know years prior with those bounty hunters and how they interacted with each other. Because I I think that's, what's going to be cool about the Boba Fett series is it has a chance to really dive into that, you know, gangster bounty hunter world that we've seen a little bit of it in the Mandalorian, but I think they can really dive into it on the book of Boba Fett.
1: You know, and that's the part of star Wars. I always found the most interesting is those characters. You didn't really get to know but we so interesting looking or you could just imagine their backgrounds, like all those bounty hunters, like people you see in the cantina, like, and you know, um, what was his name? Uh, Lobot from, uh, you know, cloud city. Like I want to see like the other side of star Wars, not the, right. the Jedi and the high council and politics. I want to see like down in the, you know, the, 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 you know, down on the street level of Coruscant. Like, I want to see the, you know, the 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 crappy side of Star Wars. Like, the people that are struggling, you know? Like, that is the interesting thing to me.
2: <laughs> just, I just had the, the thought of a Star Wars game show where it's an in-universe, like, thing where they take one poor person off of the streets. <laughs> kind of like a Star Wars Hunger Games,
1: maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something palpatine would do
2: this sounds well uh, you know the huts do it for sport yeah my could, god this is an amazing thing we yeah. need to pit this.
0: Well, we have it documented so we'll we'll have it's it to, uh, remember by. um Just, and another thing you know you you were talking oh i'm sorry go ahead now i was going to say we should send this to lucasfilm yeah and they can adapt so where's it. our movie check yeah but, you know,
1: you were talking about the original, uh, the special editions, the 1996, 7, 97. when they came out, um, and then the 2004. You know, I thought the original special edition edit was, I mean, other than the, you know, I like the way they replaced Palpatine later with Ian McDermott. But, you know, I felt like the special edition version was, it, uh, it was better than the original because they had done things that were subtle. You know, like, they they redid a lot of the Cloud City stuff. There was a lot of background stuff that they changed. They went through the Hoth right. battle, and they cleaned that up a lot. You know, they took the thick black lines off of the the mats and all that kind of stuff. Um, just kind of cleaned it up. They left the original voice actor for Boba Fett. You know, when he's like, uh, he's no good to me, did. Like, that, you know, that voice. Like, I loved that voice, and... It didn't bother me when they changed it to Tamira Morrison because it's continuity, but at the same time, like I like the original Boba Fett voice. You know, you
2: know the know. voice you did just now was more Morrison than, yeah.
0: than the original, <laughs> because no, you had, had that
2: you had that accent on there. You, you As little, you wish, uh, <laughs> not that As you you but, but the
1: biggest thing that bothered me in the original version okay. of Empire after you know Luke dives off the uh, the weather vane. Uh you know, Darth Vader basically loses that battle. He's going back to his ship and he's pissed and he's just like bring my shuttle. And that's all you get of Vader. That's all you get until you know with the, until he's back on the on the the star destroyer. And then they changed it in the 2004 version where he's like tell my star destroyer to prepare for my arrival. I'm like it took that bite out of it, you know that that pissed off Vader's pissed now. Like, stay out of his way, and it just completely changed it.
2: Yeah, I, I see that. I can. I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I like the most from the changes that were made were all Cloud City. Yeah, because Cloud City always seemed to me like a really bad house of the future. Attraction that yeah. felt claustrophobic,
1: you yeah, know, because this it was like exactly what a I was gonna closed, say, stark white set. And right. then, of course, they went back through and they made all those white panels that turned them into windows. Right. And I'm like, that's awesome! Now you see outside, it feels like a city,
2: right? It doesn't seem like you know just a food court,
1: yeah, you know. <laughs> and the one guy running around with the, the ice cream maker, ice
2: cream maker, yeah, <laughs> which as we know now
1: is a safe yeah so that shit was an ice cream maker he <laughs> <laughs> was like I, we, Empire's here I, I gotta save my strawberries and cream <laughs> hello attention
2: cloud city please grab all your belongings loved ones and ice cream
0: <laughs> before more uh, imperial troops arrive yeah. <laughs> before
2: more imperial troops arrive you get right cause I'm gonna get all my damn ice cream <laughs>
1: Don't forget to grab your Colt 45s on the way out.
0: Have you seen my Colt malt liquor? (laughs) Uh, That was good. And that actually is a good segue to another thing that I wanted to bring up with this movie is that it introduces some of the most popular, I don't want to say cult characters, but really some of the more popular characters in the entire franchise. This is the first time you see Boba Fett in live action. Mm -hmm. First time we meet Yoda. And also Lando Calrissian, you know, played yeah. by Billy D. Williams. And he had a little bit more to do in Return of the Jedi. But I feel like since he was introduced, like, I don't know if it was just the natural coolness that he portrayed. But Lando became one of the most popular characters. I know a lot of Star Wars fans that I like, they say Lando's up there on my favorite character list. Yeah
2: which makes a lot of sense because Lando is the coolest man in the galaxy.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, he goes from the guy that, you know, (laughs) turned in our, our arguably favorite character at that point, you know, turn them all in, you know, and Hans, his, his friend, his friend, you know, gets frozen and taken away. And, and, you know, it really wasn't his fault and he tries to make it right at the end. You know, he's like, go to the East platform, to save Han. The only guy in the whole trilogy that can't pronounce Han correctly. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he makes it right. I mean, the guy ends up blowing up the second Death Star. So that's quite an arc for that character who could have just stayed, you know, if any other you know movie franchise he would have probably just been you know a uh, a secondary character um a a secondary character throughout the whole thing but you know he becomes a hero of the rebellion you know a general like he blows up the second death star like that's quite a a, a, a an arc for a character like that
0: do you think that that character would have had the same appeal had it been someone besides Billy D
1: It really depends on the actor. I mean, it would have to be... Who?
2: Eddie Murphy.
1: No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How you doing, Chewbacca?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Stick a banana in
0: the back of a TIE fighter.
1: (laughs) All right, we're talking 80s,
2: uh, early 80s actors. Hmm. Who would we be? (laughs) Would <laughs> be would
0: be Lando. No one. No. Yeah, I really can't think of anybody that would have captured that same charm that Billy D did. Not all <laughs> and, and then his return in Rise of Skywalker was you know, like we all kind of knew it was going to happen, but whenever he took that mask off and it was Billy D, everybody was like, "Oh my God, it's Lando!" You know, it, it, it would have re- made
1: it would have made so much more sense for him to be and the last jedi as the code breaker. Oh, 100%. It would have made so much more sense.
0: Well, even and if- introduced yeah. that
1: character back in, I mean, uh, missed opportunities, man. So,
0: are you talking about him replacing Benicio del Toro?
1: Yeah, cuz well,
0: he he had no point
1: in in that movie. None whatsoever. There's No point in him being in that movie. We never see him again.
0: True. I think That's he- true. I think you could have even had him be the original person that uh, Finn and Rose were looking for. You know, the guy with the white jacket with the flower on it. Like, that could have been Lando, and it could have just been, like, a little... It would have been fan service, but I still think it would have been a really cool moment. Just a moment
2: in time, because, you know, we could always bring him back for the third one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go off track, but I like... I think Benicio Del Toro's character did serve a purpose, but, you know, I'm not going
1: to go
0: into it. Yeah. yeah We're that, not
1: talking about that movie. We're talking about a better movie.
0: <laughs> that that movie's a subject <laughs> for a whole separate podcast. Yeah. But, um, another thing, too, is that the introduction of Yoda, as well, because I alluded to earlier about how I thought, well, this must be, like, the coolest person in the entire galaxy if they trained Obi-Wan. Right. And that moment, whenever he's just being, you know, the, the eccentric... You know, goofy alien that's invading Luke's camp, and whenever he just looks up in the the sky and says, "I cannot teach him," the boy (laughs) has no patience. We're like, "Oh boy, Luke, you done done (laughs) screwed up now." Uh And one of the other cool moments that Yoda is involved with that they don't really expand upon, but to me is one of the more interesting moments of the entire trilogy, is when he goes when Luke goes into the cave. Yeah. and fights Vader, and you know, cuts his head off, and then the mask explodes, and he sees himself. It's never really mm-hmm. explained, like, you know, how did that cave become strong with the dark side? So, like, from the very beginning, when I saw it for the first time, I was like, that's one of the more interesting things. Like, you know, makes me wonder in what happened.
1: Or, well, in the original EU, and I know I'm... stuff, uh, a Sith Lord had died in that spot. Uh, so that's why the cave was so heavy with the dark side of the forest. Okay. And plus, you know, the the dark side of the forest, plus the uh, the sheer amount of, uh, you know, the trees and canopy and swamp and gases and uh, the, the amount of living creatures were able to hide Yoda so well from the emperor because it, there weren't too many places Yoda could, Yoda could have gone that he wouldn't have been, you know, detected by Palpatine, um, he wouldn't have been able to use any force powers whatsoever. You know, he would have just had to go into complete hiding um, at that point.
0: One thing I did want to bring up also about The Last Jedi is that I liked when Yoda appeared to Luke that he was the Yoda from Empire and not the Yoda from the prequels because attitude wise, they're very different. I was glad that he was that, you know, again, that goofy kind of eccentric you know he sets the tree on fire and he's just like kicking his feet up and laughing while luke's panicking and everything so (laughs) that that was one of the cooler callback moments uh from that movie well you know
1: it really explained to me like you know when he's talking about going into the cave what's in there what you bring with you and he goes to walk in he's going to put his belt on he's like your weapons you will not need them like what was he gonna? Would that apparition have actually killed him with a lightsaber? I think it would have been different, you know, because uh, he's the
2: one who brought. See, you only, only what you do, bring with it, yeah. exactly, and he brought his weapons,
1: so you're going to get yes. some sort of of uh, combatant. But would he have still gotten the same? Uh, uh, where he sees himself in Vader, like, this is what I could become if I go down the wrong path, by seeing himself in his own face in Vader's helmet. Would he still have gotten that?
2: He or... would have gotten a version of that, I believe, because you know, and, and bring up The Last Jedi again, that's what happened to kind of moment. Because that was part of her training. She went down the, into the cave yeah. and and she saw her reflection so to speak of what her future could become so you know it's the same thing uh but you know they they approached it in different ways and that's why it was a different um different thing everybody sees what they bring to it
1: okay is how i how i interpreted it now i understand it a little better now now that i actually said it out loud and we talked about it i'm like okay (laughs) Now I kind of get it a little bit clearer.
0: No, it makes more sense when you put it that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Before before this, you were like, "That's the only part of the Empire, Empire Strikes Back." It, I it's didn't
1: not that understand. I didn't get it. It was just I was just kind of like, "What would he have seen if, like, if he wouldn't have taken his weapons with him? Would that apparition have been able to to hurt him in any way? Since it was just, uh, you know, a,
0: a vision."
2: I don't. Know, but probably. i mean change i don't know
0: or would he have seen the apparition at all yeah it would have been something completely different
1: jacob marley (laughs) you will be visited by three ghosts qui-gon uh (laughs) (laughs) obi-wan
0: and mace windu and the third one the third one (laughs) who will show up in his own time Plo Koon. Who the hell is Plo Koon? <laughs> Would you prefer Yaddle? <laughs> Fair enough. Give us Plo Koon. Yes. But the last thing I wanted to talk about with this movie before we wrap things up, we have to talk about the reveal that happens with Luke and Vader. Vader's got him beat, cuts his hand off, and he says, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. And Luke, of course, says, you know, he told me you killed him. Then he says the line that is one of the most iconic, not in just Star Wars, but in film history. No, I am your father. And I wish, if I had a DeLorean, if the DeLorean from the Back to the Future existed, I would love to go back to 1980, opening weekend of Empire Strikes Back, and go to a theater, because in my mind, I would be like, these people have no idea yeah. what's about to happen. Like To put it bluntly, it's one of the biggest oh-shit moments that happens in in film in history because then by the end of the movie you're like well what what happened to his father like how did he become evil you know right. and things like that so it, it just it changed the game completely and what impresses me more is the level of detail they went into to keep it a secret because okay. I think even like Mark Hamill didn't know until right before they shot that scene well he was the
1: only one that knew and he well, was told to he was told to react. Like he had heard that. But on set, David Prouse was the one doing the, 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 the lines. You know, the, the lines, and he said, No, Obi-Wan killed your father. That was the line he said, but Mark Hamill was the only one who knew what the real line was going to be, and he wasn't told until right before they were about to film it.
2: From what from I think it I think it was Mark Hamill that said this that it was the, uh, there's only three people that know me, George, and you. <laughs> <laughs> so if this gets out, we know it's you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a little, I I'm, imagine having to carry that. Around. Right. You know. I
2: mean, and you know, you heard about how, uh, Harrison Ford
1: was like, you didn't tell me kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was mad at him for, for, for the evening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine you being the only person that like before that the the movie's about to open in a, like a day or two. You're Mark Hamill and you're the only person that knows what you know what's about to happen. That would kind of suck though because you wouldn't you're the
0: only person on the planet who doesn't get that reveal, you know? That's true. <laughs> yeah, there's pros and cons to that. I mean, you know, on one hand it would be kind of cool Because then you, in the back of your mind, to my earlier point about going back in time, like you're just waiting to see how other people react to it. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, it would it would suck to not have that initial shock. Because I had it the first time I watched
2: it. it. You know, I wish I could go back and have that again. You know, yeah. It's one of those moments when you've seen a movie and you're like, God, I wish I could watch that again for the first time. Yeah. And you know, and to your point, I would love to go back in night to nineteen eighty and buy a ticket for every showing on that weekend. Just one ticket, so I could just
1: yeah, you
2: know, go into the next theater and just wait. But well, actually, back then there were probably just one or two. But yeah,
1: they didn't have to, multiplexes back then. Just sit there and
2: just wait for everybody to come back in.
1: <laughs> but or you know, time
2: this- it out to where you just walk into the theater at the moment.
1: Yeah. Well, this movie actually has my favorite line of all the star. One of my favorite lines of in cinema history, um, when uh, Luke and Vader are about to face off, you know, in the the, the carbon freezing room, and Darth Vader, you hear you hear the breathing. Luke turns around and looks, and he says, "The Force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet." Just that line, you're like. Luke's about to get his ass kicked, is what's about to happen.
0: <laughs> well, and it has I one of the coolest it. visuals, too, because when they start to fight, you just see their yeah. silhouettes, and you see the sabers ignite, and there's that iconic shot of Luke holding his saber, you know, with two hands, and Vader's just holding it with the one, like, mm-hmm. you're you're nothing, kid.
1: Right, and I Uh, I worked at the movie theater as a projectionist um, when these were coming out, the special edition in 97. Um, That scene when they first, you know, cross lightsabers, uh, you know, with the blue background, the lightsabers, and like the, you know, the orange steps. I actually cut one frame out of the film and kept that in my wallet for years. Just that one single frame of film. I don't know what I did with it. I still, I wish I still had it.
2: You're the one. No.
1: Yes. <laughs> like, nobody's going to miss one 24th of a second.
0: You'd be surprised. <laughs> but, no, that that's really cool, though. It makes me think, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever gone through a phase where you've watched The Simpsons. But um, I, I remember watching an episode when there was a flashback to Homer and Marge uh, going out on a date. And they went to go see the Empire Strikes Back and they walk out of the theater theater. and Homer's like, man, I can't believe Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. There's this huge line of people like I would have kicked his ass if that had happened to me.
1: That probably had to happen a few times in real life. Somebody walking out of the theater, you know, there's a two mile long line of people are just like, wow, Vader's Luke's father. I imagine there was a lot of asses getting kicked. Uh, back then,
0: I want to take a really fast walk to your car, yeah. <laughs> if you do that, uh,
2: but yeah, last thing- day I saw my father get beat up,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then you get that fantastic final shot of them and the you know, the medical ship looking out the window, and you know, in, in the in the book, the the uh, novel novelization of Empire Strikes Back, you know, they're looking down on a galaxy and, you know, what had happened was the rebels had nowhere to go. So basically they just went outside the solar system. Um, and were just so far away from the actual galaxy. They could look down upon it.
2: I always wondered well, about that. that. Is amazing. Yeah. Now that you say
0: that. It makes so much sense. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense because what's left of the rebels, they have to lick their wounds and regroup. So yeah, it would make sense for them to just leave the entire galaxy.
1: Yeah. Like, where do you go? Like, you've got nowhere you can go at that point.
0: Yeah. That is a really great ending shot, though. With them just like, you know, looking and you see the galaxy in the um, background.
1: You see the Falcon take off and it's like going towards the, you know, the the galaxy and you and you know uh there goes Chewie and Lando to see what they can do about Han and you know there's Luke with you know a brand new mechanical hand and eh, R2D2 and C3PO have gotten a, a nice shine by the end of that one and you know they're just kind of like ah oh, man we just got our asses handed to us what are we going to do now
2: so that didn't go as planned what's yeah. the next step
1: <laughs>
0: What's plan B? You know that guy in the black suit,
1: Darth Vader? He's my dad. How (laughs) fucked up is that? (laughs) You know, I mean, of all the people in the galaxy, why is he going to be my dad?
0: I I think I would just go into a room by myself and be like, you know what? I'm going to need a minute. And then the only hot
1: chick in the universe is your sister. I mean, come on, man. (laughs) <laughs> being luke skywalker sucks you're the only person here that's in my demographic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is an outrage i mean mine mothma's cool but she's she's old <laughs> mm. a little bit could out of my age twi- range
2: yeah i, I hear rumors twi- about the kind of stuff she's into
1: <laughs> could get a twi'lek but they have those weird head things and you know c- could get a Mon Calamari in, but they stink like fish. <laughs> you can't understand what they're saying with their wrists. Yeah. Hey, got the big bug eyes. They got, now we got the frog lady. I mean, where are the human chicks, man? Where are the human chicks at? I mean, Wookiees, they're all right. A <laughs> <laughs> little hairy, but you know. Uh, just it remember- makes you wonder does Chewbacca have
0: 6 nipples? I don't never know. wondered that. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> they should have addressed that in the holiday special. It would have made it more yeah, interesting.
1: Should have shaved them down. Had like 6 nipples on his oh chest. Oh my and stomach. god. How gross would that be?
0: <laughs> now I'm just picturing a short of Luke Skywalker doing sci-fi speed dating. We have gone down a universe. dark
1: path, gentlemen. We have.
0: <laughs> well, on a on a lighter note, I want last thing I want to ask you guys before we get out of here: What do you think is the legacy of The Empire Strikes Back? Wally, we'll start with you.
2: You know, The Empire Strikes Back is probably the beginning of the blockbuster sequel. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 franchise of. Because before that, yes, there had been sequels, but not for anything like this, you know. I, I'm I'm struggling to think of any that, that had come out that were, like, I can't even think of any horror movie sequels before that, before um, 1980.
1: The Exorcist had sequels. Did The Exorcist 2 come out before 1980? I think so. Because Exorcist 1 was in 73 or 74. I think the second one was like. 78? Hold on a second. Hey, Google. <laughs> when did The Exorcist 2 come out?
0: Cameo by Google.
2: It's of America. Exorcist 2. The Heretic came out in June seventeenth, 1977. So, ah. 77.
1: Same year as Star Wars, interestingly enough. Only a month later. Hmm. Yeah. hmm. <laughs> 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 when did Jaws 2 come out? Was that like 81 or 82?
0: <laughs> America, II came out in June 16th,
2: 1978. Ah, 1978.
1: Okay. <laughs> I went into a coffin fit. I started laughing so hard. Uh, this
0: podcast is brought to you by Google. Yeah. Oh man, handy. I gotta be honest. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah.
2: So whenever I have to spell something. That's, i mean perfect <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: but uh but you know uh, as far as this last thing uh legacy i mean like i said i think it, it it brought in those sequels um i believe that the of course we have the merchandising franchising the, i mean i don't know if all these are good things or not merchandising merchandising, merchandising. I mean, it honestly was probably more of a commodity thing as an art, uh, other than an artistic endeavor. To be f- frank about it, but at the same time, it was super. It's it was really good and it was successful. And uh, you know, even though the critics of the time did not enjoy the film, uh, I think that is also something that is bleeding over to today. That the sequel seemed to get a harder rat than the originals do
1: regardless as to whether or not it deserves it. Hmm. What about you, Jason? <laughs> um, I, th- personally, uh, I feel like n- not only, you know, definitely what Wally said as far as the sequel thing goes kind of set the, the standard for for, you know, sequels, but um, I really feel like <clears throat> not only for science fiction, but fantasy as well kind of set the tone for you know, the genre after that movie, I mean, you look at the movies that came out in the 80s, like, you know, not only Indiana Jones, but you had movies like Blade Runner and Terminator, um, you know, uh, Aliens, like all the sci- cool sci fi stuff and fantasy stuff like Conan coming out, out like they have that sort of dark, but fantasy tone about them that right. you know, Empire kind of started and I think still kind of holds to this day because I feel like Empire Strikes Back is kind of the gold standard for you know sci-fi to where you can actually have you know heartfelt moments and tension and you know laughter and silly moments and a love story like it did all those things so well that it's like it's definitely it's the gold standard for uh, science fiction and fantasy movies
2: you know uh, something that i didn't bring up that you you reminded me of is the fact that the empire strikes back is kind of one of those benchmarks that you can say to somebody and they'll know exactly what you mean for example this episode of this tv show is like the empire strikes back exactly the way it yeah. <laughs> so so i say that and you're like oh no <laughs> I mean, and it's not like uh, it, it's a bad oh no. It's like oh no, what happened to the characters?
1: Yeah, liked so much. So and it made it. It made it okay to uh, you know the good guys can't win all the time. It's okay right. for them to lose, but ultimately they have to win in right. the end. But,
2: like Avengers: Infinity War is yeah. the Empire Strikes yeah. Back.
1: See <laughs> you. You know you 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 take you know you, you win the first act and then you get cocky, and the second act, you get... It's the Rocky template. You get your ass right, kicked, right. and then you come back stronger in the end, and you win in the very end. Like, that's... Yep. Maybe you know, I'll
2: fight Darth Vader, maybe I won't, you know?
1: <laughs> you, see this, you see this ship? The Millennium Falcon, it stinks! <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, that's he's like really
1: saying. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. When you go back and you think about the way that movie was written and directed, it's telling a love story. It's telling a hero's journey tale. It's telling, uh, you know, it's telling us that the good guys are getting their ass kicked, but it's going to be okay. You know, it's okay. Um, it tells, uh, like, what else am I missing? It's, you know, it's great battle scenes and like, you get all this stuff in one movie. And it tells everything, perfect. And then the character development in that movie is really what makes what we what we as the fans brought forward. You know the character of Han Solo, the character of Princess Leia, and Luke Skywalker. You know, and Chewbacca and the droids. Like we get all that character development in this movie, moving forward.
0: That's exactly what I was gonna say. I think it set the standard for storytelling. When it comes Mm -hmm. to film, because you have all these different elements. And I think also the fact that when you think of trilogies, you think of the beginning, how the story is set up, and then you think of the ending. And I feel like oftentimes the middle act can kind of get lost in the shuffle. And it's crazy to say that because The Empire Strikes Back, which is part two of a trilogy, is to me on another level and not knocking Return of the Jedi or A New Hope at all because I enjoy those movies for different reasons. But to me, when it comes to the way it was shot cinematically, the storytelling, the acting, the characters, it's just on a whole different level for those same reasons. Because it has, all the elements that you mentioned, it has the love story that develops between Han and Mm -hmm. Leia. You have the hero learning the next step in his journey in Luke whenever he goes to visit Yoda. You have that shocking moment of vader saying that he's luke's father mm. you see the the elements of doubt with luke whenever you know he you know, he's cocky in the sense that he leaves yoda's training to go fight vader because he feels like he's doing the right thing but then you can tell very quickly he knows that he's made the wrong decision and yeah. that he's in way over his head so you have that you know humbling moment of when he just gets his ass kicked Mm -hmm. He gets outsmarted in every single way. Yeah. I mean, he was
1: led directly into a trap and, you know, he really didn't affect anything at, at Cloud City other than getting his ass kicked because if he had not shown up, Leia, Chewbacca, and Lando, and the droids still would have gotten away. Han would have still went off with Boba Fett and if Luke wouldn't have gone there, he, you know, he would still have his hand. <laughs> he wouldn't wouldn't know that Vader's his father. You know, he would still have a little bit of respect left for Obi-Wan because he was a little bit rattled after that. Like that right. was a quick path for him to go down the dark side to be like, hey, these guys that I trusted, you know, the past few years to, to that I thought were, you know, kind of my father figures, have been lying to me this whole time. You know, from a certain point of view, you know, to hell with your certain point of view.
2: No, you you're know? right. I mean, you know, we should write a what
1: if, what if Luke didn't leave Dagobah? Yeah. What, or, or what if Luke would have said, okay, I'll go with you and we'll run the galaxy. <laughs> you know, like you're yeah. my dad. Well, I think that that has been explored before. You know, but even
2: still, we should just do a what if series.
1: Yeah, because it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like Indiana Jones. And the fact that Indiana Jones didn't really affect anything in that movie and uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, if he had not done anything in that movie, everything still would have happened the exact same way. Good point. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) But mm-hmm. dropping's I've been learning so much knowledge on this podcast that I wasn't <laughs> expecting. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. So Luke going to Cloud City affected nothing to to the overarching story. You sir are
2: a failure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he shows up, they get away anyway, and he ends up getting his ass kicked. And then Leia and them were in danger of having to come back and get him. Because he was hanging, you know, on the weather vane. Be like, well, yeah, my hand's cut off. Come help me. I'm hurting. Which is exactly Which what was, he said. That was his exact lines. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> word for word. Yeah.
0: Awesome. I think, well, uh, and I think I shit myself a little, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Chewy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still feeling the effects from that asteroid yeah. field. Yeah. Chewy's like, you need the clippers. I use these a little. <laughs> you just see Chewie just slowly raise his hand. Yeah, you
2: need my Dingleberry, my Dingleberry brush.
1: Yeah, oh. <laughs> you didn't need to that's name something. This I'm sure he has. <laughs> you, need, you need to name this episode Dingleberry Brush. <laughs> oh God! And Lucas that's how. Film. Oh. Why haven't you started selling those? Oh my God!
0: And that's that how you end. 2020 when it comes to this podcast uh guys do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here uh jason we'll start with you
1: uh go check out me and Derek's other podcast the nerd cave retro at nerd cave retro pretty much everywhere uh we just did our top five games that we played this year uh which just dropped the other day and we just dropped the uh our christmas commentary episodes on christmas day we dropped those which also included mr wally phelps we did an episode of the Christmas episode of Real Ghostbusters and um, called Xmas Marks the Spot, and we did a uh, yeah, and we did a Batman the Animated Series uh, Christmas with the Joker. Uh, did commentaries for those, which is a very good, very fun episode. So go check Mark, that out. Connection. Yes. yes, so at Nerd Cave Retro, everywhere fine podcasts are given away for
0: free. Mister Phelps.
2: Uh, just my socials at the Real Big Wall in most places. Uh, if you go to uh, my Twitter feed, I apologize for how crass I am. <laughs> um, not really, I'm fine with it. Uh, you can get over it. Uh, my YouTube page is me playing video games poorly. So if you go to the Real Big Wall there, uh, you'll see uh, me my playthrough of Miles Morales. You'll see me playing Fortnite. Uh, so tons of fun
1: if you don't change your twitter handle to dingleberry brush for at least a day i will be so disappointed in you
2: i'll just change the name i'm not going to change the whole no (laughs) no, not
0: just just the name dingleberry brush
1: (laughs) i'm gonna do it right now (laughs) oh that's so Uh, good
0: i can't wait well guys thank you so much this was awesome and this was uh, i think a really fun way to uh wrap up the year uh yes, under 2020 has been kind of crazy so i wanted to end it you know talking about one of the best movies ever made just have a fun discussion about it so uh thank you guys uh happy new year and hopefully uh 2021 will be better than this year
1: yes happy new year everyone thanks for having happy me on new year happy new year merry
0: new year would you like some beef jerky And if you want to follow this show on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. If you want to subscribe to the show, it's available anywhere you get your podcast. Just search for the Derek Diamond Experience. If you want to check out my Patreon, I'm at patreon.com slash D Diamond Podcast. And also, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun New Year's weekend, and we'll see you guys back here next week for another fun episode of the Derek Diamond Experience.